Um, so no, before we before we start, um, I kind of wanted to talk to you about this episode because you were all over the place and I couldn't really figure out what you were going for, which is why I struggled to write anything down. And then my week was crazy. And so uh, yeah. that compounded the issue. So yeah, what was your vision totally here? Totally understandable. What, what was your storyboard? What was your yeah, dream? My, um, my vision here was literally that meme, which I named the episode after. Um, that is from Phineas and Ferb, that if I had a nickel every time such and such happened, I'd only have two nickels, but it's weird that it happened twice. Um, and that's my, that was the entire vision for this, is there's all kinds of, like, weird trends in books that you don't notice until you read it for the second or third time, and you're like, why in the world has this happened more than once? Okay. And I just wanted to highlight some of the more funny ones. Um, mm, that's what you were going This is the book report. Okay. Best with that. It's one of those things that it's, um, as I started writing that list, it's really hard to think of odd trends. Even until, like, unless you're in the moment when you write them down, it's really hard to either research them or think of them. That was the other reason I was kind of struggling with this because what you were asking for is very obscure. Exactly. That's one of the, that's, it's why I kind of wanted to talk about it, but it's weird. This might be an open ended one where we're just like, hey, people, Write in the strange trends you've noticed in books, and maybe we will research them and try to figure out where they came from. Oh, why would you set us up for that? That sounds like work, Joel. I know, but it's, it's fun work. I am so senioritis-y right now. I'm going on vacation in a week, or a mm -hmm. week, yeah, and it's the end of session at the same time, mm -hmm. and uh, my boss is... Uh, going to a new job on the first and my other boss is taking a month off and my new boss is about to go on maternity leave and the head of my agency is retiring and it's just like everyone's checked out and then i just got an email that we're going back to full-time permanently like everybody in the office full-time on june 1st and i wanted to pull my fucking hair out hey, welcome to what the rest of us are experiencing i hate it welcome I hate it to the land so of the living much. jewel no i've gotten it down to a routine that i like I like being at home all the time and not ironing clothes and I just oh, don't totally to the totally fine. I completely completely understand that. Um, I'm with you. When I was when I was home, life was good, and then someone decided that we should go back to in person learning, and I was sad. So mm, yeah, I don't understand this concept of having to be around other people to get anything done. I'm so much more productive if you don't make me sit in my office all day long. And oh, yeah. I thought it was going to be the other way around. I dreaded the idea of going to work from home because I figured I wouldn't be able to focus and would never get anything done. Now I will like I would do anything to not have to go back. Oh yeah, micro breaks help productivity. So that's my entire thesis statement. All right. Well, um, you heard I'm it here sure first. you can convince the rest of the world that before you could convince. Oklahoma government that I don't even think it's the government's fault for most of us. Yeah. I mean, not for most of us, I but mean, for it me, is for yes, me. for you. Yes. <laughs> but for everyone else, it's like, no, it's so not much. really governmental. It's, it's, I mean, corporate morons who were like, no, everybody's gonna be more productive if we can keep track of them all day long, every day. It's like, that's not even remotely true, but yeah. you go off on your bad self, sir. Gross. Hmm. I don't know why that was gross. Just a saying that makes no mm, sense. Is it? Is it just a saying, Joel? I 
think so. Oh, good. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I, I was like, what would it mean otherwise? I, I was just checking to see if you had anything up your sleeve. No, I have no sleeves on currently. Yeah, because you never wear clothing. Ever. Well, not Every inside my own house. You when... send, it has you in semi-nude states at all times. I don't wear clothing in Oklahoma summer. Like, why or would anyone in Oklahoma do such a thing? winter? Apparently. Okay, sometimes I wear a robe in the winter. Or spring or fall. <laughs> it's like eighty degrees with humidity of like seven hundred percent today. It's so gross. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah, can always be worse. It could be worse, and it will be worse soon. But uh, I mean, you could. Be I reserve the right to complain right now. Yeah. yeah. What have you been up to other than work? Oh, living the dream. Not a whole lot. Jen and I are planning to move, so that's oh, cool. That's yeah. fun. Just out of the apartment or out of the state or Kansas City. Really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So we've been really busy house hunting the past week or so. That is fun. So that's I've, been a lot of work. I have also been house hunting, but just to move around the corner. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, but that's exciting. You'll be like four hours away instead of a plane flight. That's four hours probably away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's fun. When is that happening? Yeah, as soon as we find a house, the housing market is really um, insane at the moment. Aggressive, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't have as much time as I thought anymore because I agreed to get drinks with people after work since it's the end of session. And, Good call. Um, apparently, I don't know, there's just stuff going on tonight now that I was not aware of. So let's get to the meat of this episode. Yay. Wait, I thought you were vegan. Um, what in the world ever made you think that? Uh, you're gay. Seems I'm to go together. Bye. And <laughs> I really, really like eating very bloody steak. Chicken I can take or leave most of the time. Bacon I couldn't live without. I am very oh and milk I could not live without. Or cheese. I am the opposite of vegan. But what you're really saying here is you just like to put meat in your mouth. Yes, exactly. Got that it. is okay. that it was, was the low hanging fruit that you were just <laughs> dancing around for some reason. <laughs> I was doing it semi on purpose. I don't know. I don't like, think you were. Yeah, I knew that I joke was out there. Head. I was just not actively trying to avoid it. <laughs> well, uh, this is a this episode. Welcome to the Book Report. Um, uh, I don't know how much I'm going to keep from what we talked about before we were actually planning on recording. Probably not a lot. Um, but Stephen had asked me, like, what was your whole concept for this episode? Because we've been very busy the last two weeks, which is why we haven't put out an episode. Um, but this concept came to me when I was reading a book and I like went through a vert, like a, a scene that I had seen other places in other books multiple times. And I was like, I wonder how often that happens. And the answer is that is impossible to research. <laughs> so hard. It's really hard to research. So instead of that, we are just talking about other weird trends we have noticed in books Um or in scenes or characters or anything like that. Just other weird trends we've come across. And it all comes from that. Um, there's a Phineas and Ferb meme, which I know Stephen has told me to watch that show like 15 times and I've just refused to do it. Wait, which show? Phineas and Ferb. You haven't watched it? No. Bro, I can sing the entire theme song. It's just, I don't like the animation style, I think. And it really bothers me. It's a great animation why. style. It's but a great a... show. It's clever. It's funny. 
Fun for all ages. I know. And there's all the kinds of... The theme song is written okay. by Bowling for Soup. Really? Yeah. That's funny. It's pretty great. Well, there's a meme that's been going around recently, and I think it's been around for a while, but I've just noticed it recently, where he says, if I have a uh, Professor Doofensch- Doofenshmirtz... Doofenshmirtz. Okay. Mm-hmm. Professor Doofenshmirtz says, if I had a nickel for every time um, uh, I was a, a... What is this? Okay, I don't know the original, but if I had a nickel every time blank, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. And that's kind of how I felt when I was reading um, uh, this book. And I thought there's got to be more things like that. So we went and searched for them. Um, do you have any or do you just want me to go off of my list that we can talk about? Do you want me to read the actual um, the meme? Yeah, read the original quote from the show if you could. Because I only found memes. I didn't find the original. So I believe that it is, uh, if I had a nickel for every time I was doomed by a puppet, I'd have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. There so you go. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it, this is I'm reading four books at the same time, so I can't actually remember what sparked this idea because it was you know like three weeks ago when I had this idea before we got to record. But one of the ones that um, cropped up immediately when I started thinking about this was the idea of an ant or non-mechanical computers, but specifically a computer made out of ants. It has happened in two books that I've read and loved. Um, that is weird. You're right. It's very really weird. weird. What? What? Um, it happened in the uh, in Soul Music, which is a Discworld book, um, and it was played for laughs so that they could make a joke. The author could make a joke about a bug in the machine because the mm-hmm. whole machine was made out of ants in an ant farm. Right. But then it was a central concept of the book Children of Time. Like it was right. a big deal right. <laughs> it was, and it was like just realistic and, and, and I don't know, realistic, but you know, it was a, uh, not com- comical plot point. And then they used something really similar to that, uh, in the, um, what's that Chinese one? The three body problem. The three body problem. Yeah. Yes. There's like an entire scene where they use every human, well, not human, but basically but, yeah, every... all the aliens as, as yeah, like as circuits like worker to make ants. a giant computer. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just very like a non-mechanical computer is weird enough that it happens more than once. Not just organic, but that multiple sentient people work together to become a giant computer. But then even more specifically, twice it was ants. They made it out of ants. And that's just so strange. That's super weird. That is super weird. You're right. Okay. So weird trends that happen twice. And it's weird that that's the thing. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I don't think we'll find anything that specific again, unfortunately. Yeah, that one was a that one was kind of the, the which, peak of this which, list, but still. Well, to be fair, that fits in really well with the theme of this episode because it's weird that it happened twice. Yeah. So it's going to be hard to find more. It's going to be hard to find something else, right? Right. Unless you're just really in tune with this idea. Yeah. So okay, I think we're going to have to get more more general after this. Okay. Am I wrong? Probably. Uh, or, uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. Probably oh, I'm not. not wrong. Okay, probably not. You forgot the negative. Got it. Thanks. Yeah. Um, the other one I found that I, I loved, and I didn't realize this until I was like researching and trying to Google things that would get me this answer. Um, but this other weird trend is dog centric books with absurdly long titles. Okay. And the two that I thought of, and then I found another one. Uh, that kind of works. But the two that I thought of were A Boy and His Dog at the End of the World, which is an epic book and everyone needs to read it if they haven't. So good. 
Um, I think I did a whole episode about that. But then also a curious incident of a dog in the nighttime. Um, both of those books are on like, uh, if you just Google like books about dogs or, or books with dogs as main characters, um, those are up there on the top. And then if you also Google books with extremely long titles, those are always on the top 10 lists and they happen to both be about dogs and have dog in the title and have an absurdly long title. They both sound like Wes Anderson films, but neither of them are anything like a Wes Anderson story. And Wes, yeah, yeah. A boy and his dog at the end of the world. Um, a is exactly what it sounds like. Um, and then the curious instead of a dog in the night. I don't think I've ever finished that book, but it's about a kid with autism. Correct. I've never read it. I don't know. Okay. You're asking the wrong hombre. Well, let's make sure. Um, it is. Yeah. It's a, about a kid with autism, um, who discovers a dead dog in his neighbor's garden. Um, but yeah, uh, so nothing to do with Wes Anderson, nothing really, even though the dog is part of the title, it's not usually the main focus of the book. And yet two books with absurdly long titles with dogs in them. And then the other one is the art of racing in the rain, which is a long title that doesn't have dog in it, but it is about a dog and it's a long title. So I put that one on there as kind of a third time, but I think we still just have two nickels there. Okay. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Two nickels is all you need for something. <laughs> um, so one that I was thinking about, and earlier you talked about um, like trying to find the origins of them. Mm-hmm. So there's one that I think is really weird, and it's happened way more than one time. Um, but it's really weird that it's happened more than one time because it's it's not even really the same thing anymore. Um, so steampunk, okay? Okay. Steampunk, if you go back, would originally be like Jules Verne and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Okay? Um, fair. I, I you, wouldn't have classified that as steampunk, but yeah, fair. I, I would say, it it, yeah, it's exactly steampunk, but it's futurism. It's a sci-fi novel because it was written, you know, back when a lot of things still were steam-powered. submarines. And, exactly. Yeah. So to him, when Jules Verne was writing it, it wasn't like this cool, quirky way of making the future it was how the future was going to play out but then as time went on and basically our um our i don't know technology our technology diverged into a different path it became like this weird quirky thing and now we look at um steampunk exclusively as a riff off of historical fiction yeah something similar to that and now we're like we're looking back on it and still making, yeah, that's interesting. And it's it almost strange. always set in the same time period as what Jules Verne's stuff was. It's all set in Victorian style stuff. It's like which we, is yeah, when Jules Verne was so- alive. We as a society moved past it, but our fiction keeps focusing on it. Yeah, yeah, isn't that weird? That is very strange. Do you have we, examples? So, like, list? yeah, the Golden Compass would be okay. one example. Um, it's the same type of idea. It's like exploration. It's steampunky. Um, the Aeronauts Windless by Jim Butcher is a little more, um, fantasy-y, but still fits the bill. Yeah, that's on my shelf. I still haven't read that. It's, it's pretty good. Um, Mortal Engines is kind of like the black sheep of the family because it takes such a hard turn into fantastical. Yeah, um, but still, but still has the steampunk focused, yeah. vibe. 
um and then i movie okay pause i have not read that book yeah okay i saw the movie uh, because it was like free on redbox or something one day i don't know um and i was baffled uh by this core concept of the thing they talk Mm -hmm. about like the seas being dried up and like the land being irradiated maybe Mm -hmm. they like reference that but the land is completely lush and green and there's plants growing everywhere. <laughs> and it makes no sense that these cities would have ever had to be on the move and scavenge other cities. And I'm just like, did I miss something or was there an explanation for why they put London on giant tank wheels? Like what the hell? Yeah, it was weird. I remember I had a friend in high school who was reading the book and he tried explaining it to me and I was so confused. I was like, wait, what? The cities are doing what now? Wait, are they eating each other? No, it's just the people. What? That yeah. was confusing. Okay. So well, as long yeah. as we're both confused. <laughs> I haven't read the book either or see, I haven't even seen the movie. I kept trying to see the movie and then everything online was like, don't. It's it so wasn't dumb. like bad really by any means. It was like lowbrow and lowbrow is yeah. not the right word, but it was like lowest common denominator. It wasn't like nothing original. It was a B, it was a B film, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it it was just baffling the whole, like I could not get past the fact that they never really explained why any of this is happening. Valid. It was, I couldn't get past that suspension, suspension of disbelief. (laughs) Words are hard. So I thought that one was weird um, because you know, it's, it would be like if I don't even know how to describe it because you are taking something that like in the way that Jules Verne wrote it, it really only happened one time. Um, mm-hmm. And that was kind of his own genre, like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Journey around, or uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Around the World in 80 Days. They were all like this Victorian England, futuristic-ish, steampunky vibe thing that was set in the modern time for him. And then somehow it became its own genre. Yeah. So. That everyone else like keeps... That is very odd that that actually cool. happened. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I have another one that's um, sort of about titles, but also uh, just very odd. And I put it on this list as the inverse of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, um, which is its own weird trend, but it's mostly confined to movies. That never has made sense to me. But back in the 2010s, three books came out, all got movies made after them, um, all were massive bestsellers, and all had the uh, title... word girl in the title even though they were about full-grown women who were usually either the main character or close to the main character and always um the exact op like the most capable person in the story and those books are the girl on the train the girl with the dragon tattoo and gone girl diary and of a young girl and by diary Frank. of a young girl also you. yep <laughs> that one got definitely came out in 2010 and yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but like, what was that? What was in the water that made everyone call women girls, first of all, um, and then make them badasses, but still referring to them as girls in the time? Like, very strange. That's true. How old very is Elizabeth strange. in that? I'm She's it up. 23 or something like that, I think. I mean, she's definitely on, she's on her own. Um, live, yeah, probably. She's in her twenties, definitely. I mean, she's not a girl, so you're right. Um, that is a weird one. I don't know if it was just an extension of um, 
Well, it, it wouldn't have really been an extension of the uh, young adult, like, pseudo-apocalyptic stuff with all of the female protagonists. Yeah, because um, they all ta- and they all take place in really grounded stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, all three of these are really, there's nothing fantastical in any of these stories, really. Maybe it just flows off the tongue better. Like, it's stylistic to say the girl on the train instead of the matronly woman. On well, the matronly, locomotive. I guess she is a mother, isn't she, in that story? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it just threw me as odd that they all came out roughly the same time. So is there like, I know there's a lot of, uh, this may be going way off trail, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of conjecture about if there is a collective unconscious. Have you heard of this concept? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, it's the idea that we all sort of have ideas in the same way because all our brains work basically kind of everything kind of flows in the same direction which is yeah. why things tend to like seem familiar to everyone when they happen mm-hmm. or tend to happen in spurts yeah so apparently in the 2010s or because all these books came out at the same time so they were written beforehand but all these authors had similar ideas and came up with the same title mm-hmm. um but I, I know when the harry potter books came out like literally right before them, another person had started writing a book about um, kid, uh, like a wizard school, and he sued her for um, uh, copyright infringement. Even though when they looked into it, they were very similar stories. One was obviously better than the other and sold better, That's but they awkward. were extremely similar stories, and they seemed to have no like she did not know about him. There's no way she would have come across this guy writing these books. Because they just both independently came up with bizarrely similar stories, um, which gives to the idea that there is some kind of collective unconsciousness that we all kind of think along the same lines. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it might just be like the world has become so global that it's becoming harder to have not an original thought, but like it's hard to have a thought in isolation. Right. Yeah, we're all reacting to the same things uh, so that we just naturally get to the same place. Yeah. Yeah, That makes more sense to me. I like the concept of a collective unconscious. That's fun. Um, And I I think we might need to take some time at the end of this episode to talk about um, Wheel of Time because I think I'm a third, maybe a halfway through, um, and I have lots of thoughts. But... um, one of the concepts in that is this dream world that everybody can access, um, but you have to be trained in it to access it properly. But it's the shared dreamscape, essentially. And I kind of like that idea that somewhere in the hardwiring of our brains, there is a shared consciousness with the rest of the human race. Or Why subconsciousness. Not? That'd Why be cool. Not? It's as good as anything else. Okay. <laughs> Uh, there's another fun one that kind of goes along with your, um, your steampunk thing. And it's the, uh, Victorian neoclassical era horror mashup. Why is that a thing? Why do we keep going back to the Victorian and, um, just that neoclassical-ish era for our scary things? That was like a weird trend that all happened kind of in the same time period as well, though. Wasn't it? I don't remember. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, I mean. At least the ones that you wrote on the list, like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Those were all kind of in the same, like, 
five to six years. I mean, years, those two, uh, well, at least Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter were written by the same person. And then the company. Oh, uh, well, then that would make did, sense. Sorry yeah. for being an idiot. No, but the company <laughs> who published that also went ahead and got uh, made Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. But it was a more generalized trend because at that time period, we also had Mrs. Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children come out. We had The Lady, in, and that was the book, not the movie. And then we had the movie, The Lady in Black. We had, um, which was a horror movie set in Victorian England for some reason, but came out in, like, um, and then we had the, was it, is it The Others or The Host? Which was also set in like Victorian times, but it was a horror movie that came out in modern times. What's scary, or what is is there just something inherently frightening about the Victorian uh, neoclassical time period? Is that why we keep going back to that? Well, well, I mean, kind of, right? It's the era when um, like spiritism and seances were gaining a, a lot point. of popularity. So there is kind of an element of like you go to the Middle Ages and there's like the witches and warlocks stuff that ends up in fantasy. You go to Victorian England and you end up with like this kind of creepy communing with the dead, bringing in haunted houses, um, witch trial type stuff. And that is, you know, that is the period that they were living in. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about the fact that, no, like that, that works. That makes a lot more sense than anything else. I was trying to figure out why, but yeah, the whole mysticism era is a great place to um, sink all your scary things. Absolutely. Cause it's like, um, it's, it's grounded in reality with while being completely bonkers. Yeah. (laughs) We'll go with that. Like era of Harry Houdini. I mean, you got some good stuff in there. Absolutely. Um, well, the, I only have one other thing on this list, but I want to, and it's the one we talked about kind of in the sort of intro, but we should probably dive deeper into that because do, do, this do, do, is. Do, 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 do. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you said intro. It's Pavlovian. Um, well, it's because this is the one that we can obviously trace all the way back to where it began and why it's a trend in the first place. Um, uh, it's YA or the the fact that all of, and we've talked about this at length earlier, but the fact that all of young adult fiction is now post-apocalyptic is because the concept of young adult fiction was basically invented in the giver, which is a subtle post-apocalyptic story. Well, not even subtle at the beginning, but a post-apocalyptic story. Um, which gives rise to everything from the Hunger Games to the Maze Runner to the bane of Stephen's existence, Divergent. <laughs> that was an era, though. I cannot even imagine how much money the publishing houses made off of that trend because it was everywhere, in everything. And every single one of those books ended up getting a like multi-installment movie deal out of it, which mm-hmm. was really great it all... for them fizzled out by the end <laughs> right none of them has strong endings um yeah. the hunger games was obviously the best of any of it but mm-hmm. even that one kind of like they they did that stupid thing where they say hey i know this is a three book series but we're but gonna what split if we the last made it yeah. into four movies well Which that's, don't do that that's its own trend that you can trace back to the fact that harry yeah. potter did it yeah. um splitting their eighth movie made everybody else decide all right we're gonna split our final book too because we want more of that monies i just want to say thank god for lord of the rings existing before Before all these stupid trends yeah Yeah, because well that's what happened with the hobbit right so the original lord of the rings trilogy is iconic 
because it existed before the era that we're now in where they're like, oh, we took three books, turned them into three movies for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Let's take The Hobbit, which is a single book, and also make three movies. Yeah, that was mm. a really, really, really dumb choice. <laughs> Sorry, I still get mad. And they've started showing advertisements Whoa, for The Hobbit. Like a whole lot louder. Sorry, I don't know what happened. Anyways, um, <laughs> they Go just on. started showing advertisements on one of my streaming services for The Hobbit. And I just get irrationally angry every time I see an advertisement for it. Yeah, I saw a couple the other day, and I was, yeah, equally mad. Anyways, young adult (laughs) post-apocalyptic. What is it? What is it about our society that wants to take a bunch of preteens or teens and throw them into a hellish hellscape? Um, Hunger Games, we we throw them into the Colosseum. Maze Runner, we throw them into a death maze. Divergent, we make them fight in guerrilla warfare. The Giver. We turn them into sociopaths who murder children. I think it's just that we all hate teenagers. Subliminally, I think that is very true. (laughs) And teenagers hate themselves just as much. Yeah, they're really getting the shit stick there. It's the only possible explanation. Oh, so I saw this really funny, and this is, I don't ever watch TikTok, but I saw this really funny TikTok today. It was um, this this guy, he was like, I just beat a nine-year-old in court today. He was a lawyer. Oh, I saw that on then, Reddit, yeah. And then this nine-year-old's like, just had the worst had day, the day of my life. Day of my life, yeah. All these people, <laughs> I just beat a nine-year-old on whatever. Which is, how did he do that? Like, did, yeah, kid is good at TikTok. Yeah, it was pretty um, good. It was pretty good. Yeah, what is, um, because we have somehow missed talking about this, what the heck is your name? Days? Dazed and confused because okay. I didn't understand the um, theme gotcha. for today's episode until you explained it. And I, just can only re- I don't know why they only let me read like the first seven letters of whatever name you put on. No, it's okay. Right now it looks like Daisy Dan. Daisy Dan. <laughs> yeah, which I like. I, now I want to turn that into my gamer tag. Daisy Dan. Daisy Dan. Dan. <laughs> um, I have uh, uh, some friends um, who are named Dallas and Nicholas. And I call them doll ass and nickel ass. I don't know where it came sure. from, but now I've changed one of their names to that in my um, phone. Um, and then I am like just the, the emoji for it. Not even like, and I'm just like, why is a Russian nesting doll and a peach texting me? Who is this? I mean, and why not? Don't that's question what, it. Just let it happen. So Daisy Dan, you just have a emo, uh, the emoticon of a Daisy and then just a dude. <laughs> You're very inexplicable gamer tag. Yeah. That was a journey that made no sense, and I'm sorry we went on it. <laughs> I mean, the books didn't make sense. The trends didn't make sense either, so we're well, staying true to form. We planned it that way. Yeah, yeah. Let's say anyone out there who you've heard our concept of this. I want to find more of these. I want to get to the bottom of some of these. If you come across something in a book or a series of books, you're just like, why in the world has this happened more than once? What is this trend? Send it to us, tweet it to us, email it at bookreportpod at gmail.com. Um, follow us on Twitter at book underscore pod. Um, Instagram is at the book report pod with little underscores between each word. Send us these. I want to know, what else is out there and i want to find them and help me think of these and my dog just made a really weird noise did you hear that it did not okay it was like a halfway between a yawn and a howl and it was very odd um hope it's okay but i'm not leaving the room 
do that. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Email us. Uh, send us these um, weird trends you found in books, and we want to dissect them and figure out where the hell they came from. We want our nickels. We do. I need yeah. nickels. I'm poor. I need them. Give me your nickels. <laughs> that being said, um, we're not going to duck off that early. It's only been like 30 minutes on this one. Um, we should do probably talk to, about. Do you want me to sing the theme song for Phineas and Ferb? I'll do the whole thing. I, I don't I want do you it. to do that. I There's 104 days of summer vacation. And the school oh, comes along just to end it. So the I'm going to talk over him for now. Generations. Um, because I'm pretty sure we're going to get flagged for copyright baby. infringement if you keep singing. I don't know how that works, actually. Um, but I thought we should go over maybe some recommendations. We haven't done any of that. And then I want to talk about a little bit of the um, Wheel of Time. It is so hard to think while you're singing in my ear. As you can see, there's a whole lot of stuff to do before school starts this fall. Come on, Perry. So stick with us because Phineas and Ferb are going to do it all. The only part about the whole thing I love is Platypus, Do it all. Mom, Phineas and Ferb are making a title sequence. The end. You're welcome. Thank I was you. hoping you were going to keep talking over my backing track. The whole I time. tried. It was very right. hard to keep focused, and I did that's for right. a lot of it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's okay. That is completely okay. Um, so you wanted to do book recommendation? I actually yeah. have one for you. Okay. So. Um... I have one, one too, but kind of like, it's not really a book recognition. It's just a continuation of a series I recommended a while ago, but I want to talk about it. So you do yours. Okay. So my book is called the night watch and I need to look it up just so I can see how to pronounce the guy's last name. Um, let's see the night watch. At least I think it's called the night watch. Ah, crap. What is it called? <laughs> uh, okay. Got it. Okay. So it's The Night Watch by Sergei Lukyanenko. All right. Okay. It is, it's a Russian book, um, and it has been translated into English. And it's kind of a, uh, it's urban fantasy. It's kind of like a Dresden. Book. All right. Um, kind of the same deal. You have this guy who has some magical ability basically trying to solve a mystery. Um, but it's set in Moscow in like the 90s. And it's really interesting because you have a lot of the cultural idiosyncrasies that would be really weird to you or I. Um, and they stand out more than you think they would. So like he's talking about full grown adults who are going back to their apartment where they live instead of their house, which is nice. a very small thing. But, it, you know, um, or he'll talk about the um, protection rackets in the town or he'll talk about like how everyone's just drinking vodka. And it's kind of cool to read a more modern Russian book because when you read something older like Tolstoy or Dostoevsky, it just sounds like, you know, it sounds like all the books from that era. Mm -hmm. But this book is cool because it's urban fantasy set in Russia, which is weird as crap. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of a, yeah. a fun romp through a, a weird world. I'm and the, the, uh, the magic system is something I think you would appreciate. And it's called it's what? Did you decide what it was actually called? The Night Watch. It is yeah. called The Night Watch. Okay. It's called The Night Watch. Interesting. That does sound very interesting. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, mine I already recommended a while back. It was um, Forging Hephaestus, uh, the superhero dark kind of corporate superhero uh, book um, with the main character being a villain. 
Um, the sequel is the best thing I've read so far this year, by far. And I don't even know how that's possible. The first book was fun. It was really interesting. I loved the way they played with the idea of superheroes and how they'd actually work in the real world. That was fun. The sequel is a masterclass in dramatic irony. Um, every scene so far in the book has been like six layers of this character knows this and this character knows this and this character knows that and you, the audience, knows all of it. And let's watch how the, all these people interact. And it never once feels bogged down because of this. It always makes every scene so much more interesting because you're having to watch each character play like four different degrees of what do I know and what do they know? Mm-hmm. And it's so fun. And I'm only, um, I thought I had finished the book. I'm listening to it on, as an audiobook. Um, and I had only finished like the first third of it <laughs> because all of this stuff built to this um, really awkward climactic moment. And it was like more, and I thought it was the climax of the book. And instead it was basically the inciting incident for the rest of the story. Um, so I wanted to talk about how amazing they built up all these because it gave you so many characters in the first book. And then the second one, it built up all these new interesting characters played on all the people they've played. uh, They've introduced you to the last book and then led them into this really complicated, um, like interpersonal situation, not to mention the fact that it's dealing with superheroes and villains. So it's like a violent Mm -hmm. actual situation, but it's way more complicated interpersonally. And then just kind of let it play out. Um, and I thought that was going to be the end of the book. And then I saw how I have 22 hours of the book left. And I was like, what oh, in the world? How does this get like bigger? How does it get deeper later in the story? So yeah. cannot recommend it em- enough unless it just completely falls apart at the back thir- two thirds. It was so much fun getting to this point that I can't imagine it's going to get worse. Cool. And it's right. called the sequel is called bones of the past. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, it sounds like you're at least excited about it, so that's always a good sign. Yeah, it's it's crazy awesome. (sighs) Now, uh, Wheel of Time. I am in the middle of the fifth book, The Fires of Heaven, which is five out of, what, 14 books? Probably. 13 books? There's 14. There's 14 in the original books. And, like, I don't understand how this series is 14 books long. Like... I'm not hating it. There's no part of it. Like it's an interesting story. It, it works and there's new stuff every book, but mm-hmm. it also has already started feeling repetitive in the fourth, fifth book. Um, the fourth one was the first time where they kind of broke the mold where it's not, how are all these disparate people going to be in the same place for the co- final conflict? Yeah. The fourth book was like, Nope, they're not going to be in the same place. They all have their own thing going on. Um, the fourth book was also when they finally like, tried to define um my favorite character the uh the guy who got like possessed in the first book by that demon thing Mm -hmm. can't think of his matt yeah matt um and now he's got like weird ancient knowledge this awesome sword spear thing Mm -hmm. and super powered luck (laughs) and i still don't know how they're going to use him but i love his bizarre like wild card character his storyline is really fun it's a really fun one. He so far, he hasn't like done a lot on his own, but yeah. he's just kind of been in the mix. But 
because of that, it's he's so interesting. When everybody else is like, I have this strict goal, I have this old purpose, and he's just like, I'm here and I'm gonna fuck some stuff up. What's up? <laughs> and yeah. I love that character. His 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 entire thing is just phenomenal. Um, you're gonna get to one part in his storyline that I really want your thoughts on, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, the way that it kind of avoids being repetitive is now that you are getting about into the midway point of the series. Um, Robert Jordan starts to widen out the lens quite a bit and really explore his own world, which is kind of fun. Um, You get into a little more of the like intrigue that's been going on for a long time. You get to see some places you haven't seen before. And um, I don't know, he does a really good job of just widening out the lens and making the entire world a place of activity that is full of a lot of stuff. Like it gets very, very full um, to a degree that's like maybe more extensive than George R. R. Martin. Okay. Like it's aggressive. You. Uh, it's, it's really I mean, cool though. I think, I think they do a good job. Left, so. It slows <laughs> down. I will say it slows down towards the end of what Robert Jordan was writing. And then it picks up again when Sanderson takes over. Okay. So by knife of dreams, it should slow down. Cause I'm on the fires of heaven. Now I've read yeah. shadow rise and dragon reborn, great hunt and eye of the world. Mm-hmm. I still have Lord of Chaos, Crown of Swords, Path of Daggers, Winter's Heart, Crossroads of Twilight, Knife of Dreams, Gathering Storm, Towers of Midnight, and A Memory of Light. Yeah, oh. so some of those books get really slow, um, and they, they meander a little bit, and sometimes it seems like Robert Jordan kind of forgets what he was doing, which is frustrating. <laughs> it's That's frustrating, fair. but like it ties together eventually. At least after this book, most of them get shorter, it looks like, until the final one. Yeah. Because yeah. I just read the oh, it's not. I haven't read the longest one. The final book is the longest one in the series, but the last one I just read, the Shadow Rising, is the second longest one. It looks like. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was forever taking. Um. Uh, but there was so much weird stuff going on at every corner of the world. But the book after this is like a full ten hours shorter the one I'm reading and every one after that is another 10 hours shorter than that. Um, so yeah, they, they, even if they slow down, there's a lot less stuff going forward. So that's interesting, but they just, before we've even seen a trailer for the first season of the show, they just renewed it for season two. So I saw that. Um, did you see the stupidest teaser trailer ever? Mm, I don't know. Maybe it was like five seconds long and it just showed, a face of the person who's playing Moraine. Of Moraine? That's yeah. weird. It was weird. That is a it's weird because the person playing Moraine is famous. I already forgot her name. Um, ah, okay. My whole thing up, is um, I'm trying to get at least deep enough into the, sto- the, the story overall that watching the show... Um, Rosamund Pike. Going- That's Rosamund- who it is. Oh, really? Yeah. She's awesome. She's really okay. cool. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Did you I'm see um, get... I Care a Lot? Did you yeah. watch that? That's yeah. Anyways. I'm trying to get done with the, not done with the whole book, but far enough away from the first book that I will, won't have everything, yes. like I won't yeah. expect everything coming forward when the show comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good call. Because that's the problem you... with, I, I remembered every single thing that happened in all the Expanse books, oh, and I'm yeah. watching the, going through and watching the show with my boyfriend, and this is the, we finally got to the season where they started deviating from the books hardcore. And I was like, it's hard to watch because I'm comparing every single line to the books. 
and I just know them too well to watch the show based on it, so it's hard to watch. So I'm trying that's not to do that with this show. I think that's um, probably good then that you're reading it far enough out from when they're going to drop the show. Yeah. Because I know Game of Thrones was kind of frustrating to watch sometimes because everyone was reading it as the TV show was running. Right. Because like, even though it was written in the 90s, no one really read Game of Thrones unless you were a huge nerd until mm. the TV Until the TV show started. Yeah. 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 And then everyone read it and now it's, you know. All right. Well, um, I got to go run the dogs if I'm going to meet people in 40 minutes. So <laughs> I'm going to have to duck out. Um, but yeah, send us any of your nickel ideas that um, you want to know why it happened at least twice that we can highlight the strangeness of them. Um, even if they're just like scenes that have been in two books and you're just like, why was this scene just wholesale repurposed? Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from y'all. And... We'll be back when we're back with something else. We might be uh, having another extended break because, at least for me, next week is the end of session, and the week after that, I will be on vacation. So we'll be back when we're back. (laughs) Or not. Yeah, we might die. Because there's 104 days of summer vacation. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)